Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. We figured since we've got a bit of spare time on our hands, we'd interview some of our fave celebs and influential figures in the beauty industry and share those interviews with you. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when a bonus episode drops. So we were on the She's on the Money podcast relatively recently, sometime last year, I think it was, Hannah. I thought it was only fair that we bring Victoria Devine onto our show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's definitely not tit for tat, but I'm very excited <laughs> to be here. Was one of our more popular episodes, to be honest. Oh, really? Oh, Great. That's, so- that's good to know. <laughs> it's probably because you guys are really popular, but I think I think it also really appealed to our demographic. Well, we thought that mm. the finance advice would also be well appreciated by our audience, so mm. it only made sense. So for anyone who hasn't listened to She's on the Money, Money. Victoria is an award-winning financial advisor and she's the founder and host of She's on the Money, the podcast, which is basically finance advice for millennial women. And it's like the number one business podcast, I think, in is that right? Yeah. In Australia. Yeah, yeah. which is yeah. really fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no big she's no big deal. No Small big deal. flex, guys. Yeah. Small flex. <laughs> so Victoria, as you probably know, we reference the phrase bargain and bougie a lot on the podcast. I think I know what kind of beauty shopper you are, but how? What how are do you, you know that? Bougie. I think you're bougie because I know the brands that you shop, but maybe yeah, you'll surprise okay. me. Yeah, I am. And I, I was actually laughing when you guys invited me on here and I was like, cool, so they're going to out me as not being as budget conscious <laughs> as I should be. But in all honesty, it is the one thing that I do spend a fair bit of money on because I do care a lot about skincare and just even what it does for like my mental health. Like it's just so good. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I've been outed very early on as a bougie skincare spender. <laughs> I think you're, yes, you're bougie, but you're about efficacy because you use use I know you use aspect is that right adore aspect yeah yeah mm-hmm. I wish that they would sponsor me they should pay me to say that <laughs> I know they'll hear this and they'll probably reach out to you now <laughs> so um let's discuss retail therapy I think we all as you were saying we all know it can feel good to spend some of your money on new beauty products every now and then do you have any thoughts around the psychology of retail therapy because I actually read that you started your career in organizational psychology I did I have this is just like another one of my small flexes I actually have two psych degrees and I adore everything psychology like it just makes sense and everything that you know, I talk about every day in finance, like everything is so much more sensical when you overlay psychology to that, because Mm. at the end of the day, money, if we think about it as a base level, it's just a tool that helps us get the resources we need to live, right? Like Mm. it's not sexy, it's not exciting, but then we overlay our thoughts, our feelings, our values and our emotions. And then that's when money becomes a little bit topical, a little bit quizzical, a little bit, you know, taboo to talk about because you're not just talking about money. You're openly talking about how you choose to allocate a resource and that can feel really can feel like you're being attacked sometimes and that's not Mm. what we want. But I think when it comes to retail therapy, there's a lot of science behind it and, you know, we do get a really big shot of dopamine when we buy something new and shiny but it never lasts. It You bring Mm. it home, you use it for the first time, yeah, you might feel really good but then you're chasing that next dopamine high which is why retail therapy is not something that 
obviously we'd recommend as a way to improve your mood or improve your situation. Yeah, there Mm. has to be some kind of like psychological pattern in people who are really good savers and people who are just spenders and they don't like saving, they just want to spend their money. There has to be some kind of pattern in those people that like they do certain things. Yeah, there absolutely is. And these people are just chasing dopamine highs, right? Mm. And it's all about values. And there are people who are really good savers, but you'll notice that that really aligns to their values and what they're trying to achieve. And they yeah, they just genuinely get a high out of adding to their savings. I wish I was one of those people. <laughs> That's Joe to a T. That's me. I'm like, I just can't, I can't treat myself. I've got to put that money away. All right. Well, we won't be friends for very yeah. long. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're a little bit more similar. But then I also think if I die tomorrow, what was the point of that? I always think that. 100%. I'm the same. I always think, I think it's a balance. Like I I used to spend and not save and now I'm balanced. So like mm. I definitely understand when I buy something new, it's a very short-lived high or dopamine. You know, you can feel it and then it does go away. But I, I think I'm aware of it. Are some people not kind of aware and they just keep feeding the dopamine? Yeah, some people just genuinely don't know what's going on and they just don't think about it. It's not because we're not smart. It's just because no one's pointed it out before and you go, Mm, oh, I feel a little bit silly. And in reality, you shouldn't feel silly at all because it's not something that we've been taught, sadly. And so I think it takes a little bit to get around what's going on. And then once you do, you can be a little bit more conscious about your spending. Yeah. Mm. And I guess there's probably like an element of upbringing in there as well. Like if you were, if you grew up where you were kind of like, it was drilled into you to save money and not spend money and things like that. But if you grew up where you you didn't feel like you had to hold on to anything and you were like, oh, you know, like I I can buy that and I'm not going to feel bad about it. There's probably a little bit of that too. Yeah. And the underlying psychology is what I refer to as on my podcast, our money story. And it's, it's something that actually starts at the age of seven. So you start developing your money story at the age of seven and from there it becomes ingrained in you. So for people who, you know, grow up and money was scarce, you might feel a little bit sick, a little bit avoidant of money. Mm -hmm. You're not really, you want to hold on to it and not spend it because it wasn't in abundance. And then Mm -hmm. for the people that grew up in wealthier households where money was in abundance, more often than not, they just don't care about money. And I do see a lot of these types of people going into personal debt because there's just this frivolity around money that, you know, they just didn't consider that that would cause a negative outcome because growing yeah. up it was never negative. Mm. There's so much psychology involved in this. I didn't I didn't actually know how much we'd be discussing the psychology element, but it's really interesting <laughs> when you get into it. So for someone who has an Adore Beauty addiction, I'm talking like at least one order a week, How can those people budget better? What's your best advice for someone that's trying to save money and they just can't stop shopping? So for me, the first thing is putting 24 hours between you and your spending. I'm not Mm. asking you to not spend it. I'm just saying stop the clicking and the buying immediately because we are so good as humans at seeing an advertisement or seeing something online or seeing Hannah recommend pigment punch (laughs) and then going and buying it like I did the other week. <laughs> Literally, but I think the first thing is just a small step. Do it tomorrow. Don't do it today. Do it tomorrow. You can add it to your cart. It can sit there, but 
put 24 hours between you and your spending so that you're actually able to consider the purchase and very likely you'll go, you know, I don't actually need that or oh, I'll consider it next time. And then extending that period of time. If Adore Beauty is your vice, which I can completely relate to, I think it's about going, all right, well, you know what? I'm not going to say I can't shop from Adore Beauty, but instead I'm going to do it once a month. Instead of the weekly drops, I'm just going to tell myself it's once a month. I'm going to add it to my wish list. I'm going to put it to the side. And then once every month, I'm going to pick a day and I can actually go and place that order then because you're more likely to strip out the things that you don't need from that order and just make the purchase of the things that you genuinely feel like you want. And therefore, over time, you are going to save more money. However, I think it's really important to then go back to your budget and your cash flow and actually work out if this is negatively impacting you. But that's more, hey, if this is a problem for you and it is within your budget, this is a way to kind of rein it back in a little bit without feeling like someone is taking it off you completely. Yeah. Um, You just mentioned the budget. If someone has budgeted for a more regular beauty order or any order, fashion, whatever it is, going out for dinner – do you, is that okay? Like if it's budgeted for, do you sort of? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what we want to see in a budget, a budget isn't about having restricted spending. A budget is actually about understanding what's coming into your bank account and then what's going out of your bank account. And if it's in line with your values, a hundred percent, I'm never going to argue with you. Like if you looked at my spending, Hannah, it would be very different to yours just because we have different values Mm. and that's actually okay. But if you're finding that your spending and your money choices are actually getting in the way of you achieving a bigger goal, whether that's travel or buying a house or starting an investment portfolio, that's when we need to look at what we're spending in far more depth and go, okay, well, is this actually aligned to what I care about and what I want to do? But if you're saying, you know what, this is the one thing that sparks joy for me. Like I don't care. I save everywhere else and I splurge on skincare. I'm with you. That's what mm. I do. Yeah. So I mm. can't I can't sit here as a financial advisor and be like, okay, so you could save $1,300 per year if you stopped drinking coffee every morning. Like I'm never going to uh, do yeah, that. Yeah, I don't. You can't take away my coffees. Like, you can't. You can't. And that's just it, right? And that's a lot of people's responses. But so many financial advisors will say, okay, this is how to really cut your budget. I don't want that. I mm. want my lifestyle. I want to enjoy life. And these are the things that I enjoy. And if you compare it, right, like I I adore, without using the pun, skincare. Like I'm mad that I only get one Tim Tam per packet, but (laughs) that is not the point. But I adore skincare and that's kind of the thing that's my luxury in life, right? Like I research, I don't just... I don't just buy it. I research it. I like look it up. I'm learning about all of the ingredients. I'm listening to your podcast. I'm listening to other beauty podcasts. Like I'm obsessed with literally everything beauty. And so for me, that's my vice. But I don't have an expensive gym membership like a lot mm. of my friends do. I don't mm. go out for dinner all of that often because I'm in bed by 8 p.m. because like I actually <laughs> have to get beauty sleep. But it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that that's my value set. And I yeah. think we really need to be conscious of not judging other people's value Mm. sets when we see their spending either because it's so easy to see you know on social media that maybe I'm buying skincare and then Hannah's buying skincare and Joanna's saving for her house and Mm. going okay well I want what Hannah's got when in reality you don't know the intricacies of Hannah's budget Mm. or what she's planning for which makes it really hard 
to judge your own situation. And I think that's what, you know, this age of Instagram can be a little bit fickle with. Mm. Yeah. And you mentioned there, um, like, you know, where you choose to spend your money and that you wouldn't want skincare to kind of be taken away from you. Do you find that women who are seeking advice from male financial advisors, they're going, oh, well, you can cut out, you know, your eyelashes and you can cut out this spray tan and you can cut out, do they tend to go for those things that women kind of enjoy doing because they don't understand the the value behind that for us? I can't unequivocally say that, but anecdotally, <laughs> I've heard that a lot of times where they say, oh, but you're spending like $80 every two weeks on eyelash extensions. Just get rid of them. It's like, yeah. do you know, the, <laughs> don't even start me, do you know the confidence that can bring yeah. to some women? Mm, like yeah. it is so important to remember that as a financial advisor, it's not actually my job to tell you, hey, here's how to save every single dollar. It's actually my job. Like if you really want to distill it down, it's my job to get you to a safe and comfortable retirement that is within your value set. That's Mm -hmm. my job. Mm -hmm. And if I then tell you to stop living within your values, that's not going to be sustainable. Like Mm -hmm. if I said to Hannah, don't live your life the way you live, cut out coffee, cut out skincare, like we will get you to retirement. You're going to get there and be miserable because you haven't lived life in the way you want. Not my vibe at all. Exactly. (laughs) And if you came in, you'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. Victoria is not going to be my financial advisor. (laughs) But But if you came in and said, hey, Victoria, this is what I love doing. This is how I love doing it. And I go, okay, cool. Like, how can we build out a life that looks like this? Oh, Hannah, like, you know, we're not going to be able to save for a house unless we find an additional $200 a week in your budget. Where are we going to get that from? Mm. That's actually not my decision. That's yours. Mm. My job is to say, this is what we need. And then guide you through that process, but it's not my job to judge you on your spending. What are your thoughts on buy now, pay later services? Are there, what are the positives and the negatives? Oh, look, I'm pretty savage on these. I've got entire podcasts. I think that they are Mm. for you to just feel like you're not spending when in Mm. reality you actually now have a debt and however you want to dress it, it is a credit card debt dressed up as something else. It's not to say that they're bad businesses. Like they're genius, right? Like they are genius businesses that have found a way to restructure the way people are using credit. But I think that they are unfortunately, not the way that we as consumers should be shopping. I'd be concerned if you said you were all for them, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> like yeah, as a financial look, advisor, I think it's your duty to say. Yeah, look, if you want something, budget for it. Like mm. at the end of the day, if you're saving up for whether it's a skincare product or like my team, I don't know if you saw on socials this week, but my team all bought bloody air wraps. <laughs> yes, oh, my, we did see that. <laughs> and they were very proud of themselves. Mm. But the thing, it was funny. We came into the office. They're like, Victoria, sorry, we were left unattended and we've all yeah. made this purchase. And I was like, what have you done? <sighs> but but none of them used a buy now, pay later scheme. None mm. of them, you know, didn't want it. And to be honest, that purchase was made because they've been talking about it for so long. Yeah. Like it was a no brainer that when a good sale came up, mm. they then purchased it. In my opinion, that was a smart buy. Yeah, It was a genius <laughs> buy, but yeah. that was in line with their values. They'd been yeah. planning for it. And I think if you're going to make some, you know, 
last minute decisions and purchase something or add an additional thing to your cart. Like let's rethink whether you actually need that and just be conscious shoppers. Like Mm. let's be really mindful and really purposeful about what we are bringing into our lives because for every choice we make, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And that means that you're missing out on something down the track. Mm. So if you choose to take that $50 item out of your cart now, like you're not actually missing out. You're just pushing that purchase off for another time so that you can treat yourself down the track. And I think that Mm -hmm. we need to reframe it. We're Mm. not trying to miss out. We're just trying to do the right thing by our future selves. Yeah. And what about cashback services like Shopback? Is that a smart way to save? Yes, absolutely. And this is, I guess, a lot of people are confused when I say, oh, I love them. But if you were going to make a purchase and you were already going to make that purchase, why aren't you finding other ways to save? Cashback Mm. apps like Shopback, which is arguably my favorite one, I've worked very closely with their team. And for me, it is just a no brainer because these companies make money by sharing a referral with the shopper. They're not Mm. actually, you know, marking up a price or charging an exorbitant plus amount so that you then get money back in your account. It's a genuine Mm. saving. And I think that that's really valuable. Yeah, for sure. So um, this question has absolutely nothing to do with beauty, but as we've said, I have been saving for a house for a long time since I was like 21. I'm very fussy, so haven't gotten there yet. But a lot of my followers check in with me and ask how it's going. And being a single woman purchasing property alone, I've had a lot of negative experiences, particularly with agents. Yeah. But you bought your first home last year with your partner. Do you have any specific tips for women that might be purchasing property alone? Yes, I do. And this is such a powerful space, right? I'm so proud of you doing it on your own. And I think that so many many people underestimate the power of one salary. Like if Mm. you can prove that you've got a good cash flow and you are able to save, which, you know, on an average salary is so possible. We just tell ourselves these stories of like, oh, look, it's not possible. Women can't buy their own properties. Like, but Have you ever seen the same thing happen in reverse? Have you ever seen, oh, he's a young man. He's never going to be able to buy Mm, property on his own. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. Like, you guys are smart women earning arguably the same amount as our male counterparts. We are not going to get into the gender pay gap. but (laughs) Let's not go there. (laughs) Let's not not go there. It's a very slippery slope, especially for someone like me who's so opinionated. But I think that... (laughs) As a young woman, you have every opportunity available to you to save for a house. We just need to make sure that your budget is right, your values are in line with what we're trying to purchase and you actually know the semantics of like, okay, I want to purchase an apartment or I want to purchase a house. Like, Joanna, I think it would be, you know, naive if we decided, hey, Joanna wants to purchase her first house. So she's looking about the $2 million range (laughs) and um, she doesn't have any deposit yet. So is that possible? (laughs) You'd just be like, well, clearly not. Like, let's be reasonable. What can we service? And I think then it's about working backwards. So what are you looking for? Let's work out how much that costs. And then let's use some handy calculators online to work out exactly what type of deposit we'd be looking at and go from there. So for me, and I know that your experience has been a little bit negative, which really frustrates me because it's not fair. And I Mm. think that 
so many agents underestimate us. Mm. I think it's about just having that conviction. And if you are feeling a little bit nervous about going along to an open for inspection or an auction, it's actually about communication. So reaching out to those people before you actually meet them can be really powerful and going, hey, agent, Mm -hmm really excited to see this property, super keen to buy and letting them know that you're serious about it. Not because you need to, but because it will make you feel a lot more comfortable and Mm. giving them a heads up, which you arguably shouldn't have to give to be respected, but giving them a heads up might make you a little bit more comfortable going into a situation like a property inspection on your own. It sounds a little bit counterproductive of me as a, I would argue, independent young woman, but going alone sometimes is a little bit much. So if you've got someone that you can take along, whether that is a friend, like you could take Hannah, that's just going to give you a little bit more confidence than you had before or somebody who knows the property market. Like, Joanna, Mm. let me come to your property (laughs) inspections. And if anyone's rude, you best believe their heads will get bitten off. But I think it's important to just have a network around you as well so you do feel supported in this process. Yeah, well, I think the issue for me is that my dad has come to inspections with me because he does work in property and they don't even address me. They just look straight at my dad and ask for his details. Yeah. I was going to say something really bad happened to you at an auction, didn't it? Yeah. So I actually just missed out on an auction um, earlier in the year and I was so close to getting it and I missed out by one bid. And as the last person bidded, the auctioneer said to me in front of an entire group of people, there were probably 50 people at this auction, just ask mum and dad for some more money. Are you joking? In front of a group of 50 people. Mm. And I was already so upset that I had just gone over my max limit. And he said that to me in front of this massive group of people. Just because my parents were there supporting me. And so that just made me feel like, well, now I can't bring my parents with me Mm. because they just won't take me seriously. And they think that mummy and daddy are buying me a house when they're not. (laughs) I've been saving my ass off. So yeah, it's been a really, really hard experience. So for anyone out there that is also trying to do this on their Mm. own, I feel you in a big way. It is very hard, but Mm. um, you've given us some good tips there, Victoria, with with hitting them up with an email beforehand. And (laughs) Look, that is gross. I hope you took that up with them after. I did. I was too upset about the auction. Otherwise I would have, but I just couldn't. I couldn't deal with it any longer. I just had to let it go. Yeah, Yeah, look. I find that disgusting and to be honest, it really upsets me that these are the yeah. experiences of people I know because it's it's not fair. They would never say that to a male. But I think that I think the most important thing here to remember is that's not actually a reflection of your capability. It's not a reflection yeah. of your ability to save and to buy and to be a good home buyer, right? That's yeah. actually a reflection of their closed mindedness. That's mm, a reflection yeah. Yeah. of their inability to see that you know, other people can be successful. And it's, yeah. to be honest, just a gross reflection of their personality. And mm, yeah, 100%. Because they would never say that to a man at an option. No. So, mm. yeah. No, but the idea that they'd say that to anyone is mm. really gross. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah. I'm like low key rearing it a bit to be like, Joanna, yeah. who is it? I'm going to go after them. I'll message you later. I'll send you the call, name. Call them out. Yeah. <laughs> so, we know you're a bit of a beauty junkie. And I think you said, before that beauty or skincare is a category that you like to spend money on, what are your fave products on rotation right now? I know it's hard to choose. 
Okay, so number one, I think, is the most basic, and we bonded over this at the start of our our journey together, uh, Hannah, and that's phytostat nine. Mm-hmm. Like mm. I would Oof. die without my phytostat nine. From yeah. Aspect, I feel like I buy that in bulk. Like <sighs> I don't, but it's probably the biggest thing in my budget because I use it probably too many places. I'm always like, dry spot, put it on my arm. Uh-huh. <laughs> you shouldn't be putting that on your arm. I recently have been using their, what is it, the B serum? Mm-hmm. Extreme B17. Ext- yeah, Extreme B17. And I've also been using their C serum in the mornings that smells like oranges and I yeah. adore. At night, I have actually been using the Sunday Riley Good Jeans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I've been really, really enjoying that. And I recently purchased the Glow Recipe Hyaluronic Acid just to have a little bit of a crack at. And that yeah, is pretty Yeah, the hype good. on TikTok for that is real. Yeah, I've been obsessed with that as well. But yeah, I feel like... That's probably the wrap of products I use. And I've also been using a lot of Serene. I don't know if you guys have heard of Serene, but it's a New Zealand-based skincare product with like sea minerals in it. And they have the most beautiful oil to foam cleanser. Mm. And I'm obsessed with it. It is really beautifully like thick and rich. Like, you know, most oil cleansers are really runny. Not like that at all. Really beautiful. And yeah, literally obsessed with Serene. Like it is so beautiful. So if our audience have never listened to She's on the Money, Victoria, what are three basic financial tips you can leave us with? Oh, I always hate this because I'm like, cool, we've got more than 100 podcasts. Like, obviously, I've got more than three. Narrow it down. Narrow it down. All right. So the first one is understand your budget. Not the sexiest of things. I'm really sorry. But understanding your budget for me is not actually about, and I said this earlier, but it's not about, you know, restricting yourself or feeling bad about your spending. It's just you genuinely having an understanding of what's coming into your account and then what's going out of your account so that you know whether it's in line with your values or not. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people bury their heads in the sand about this because they're like, oh, I don't want to look. It's going to make me feel so bad. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't actually want to look at that because I've been spending on things I shouldn't have. But it's about drawing a line in the sand and saying, okay, well, that is what I spent. I'm actually proud of who I am as a person. How do I, you know, budget for the future or what does that look like moving forward? Am I happy continuing the way I am or do I need to change? And I think that if we can look at it from that perspective instead of a judgmental place, it's so much easier to, you know, accept. But then also we don't need to be hard on ourselves because it provides absolutely no value. If you look at your spending and you're upset with it, like great, but there's actually no point being upset because we can't change what's already happened, but you can change what's going on in the future. So that's important. The second thing would be getting your cash flow systems in place to make Make sure that you're not missing any money. It's so easy for money to fritter away and disappear if you don't have the right banking structure in place. So making sure that you have a structure set up that makes the most of your money, however that works for you, is important. And then left field from budgeting and saving is actually super. And super Mm. is so important and something that none of us actually consider as a priority. And the reason we don't is because retirement feels so far away. Mm. But what Mm. I want you to do is understand your risk profile and understand how your super is invested and make sure that that's in line with your values again. But then also making sure that we don't have five or six accounts, which I'm seeing super regularly at the moment, because so many of us, and I'm assuming your demographic is very similar to mine, it's women 
between the ages of 25 and 40. And, you know, most of us at some point did a retail job and then did a hospitality job and then Mm -hmm. had a side job working in admin, doing something else. So it's very easy to have racked up three or four super accounts. And for that, you end up spending a ridiculous amount on fees. We can actually save our future selves a heap of money just by consolidating our super and taking our our actual future into consideration. Mm. And that's a really powerful step in the right direction when we're talking about money as well. Wasn't there a scheme a while ago where they were encouraging you to like consolidate your super into one account? Because I remember doing it. Yeah, I did it too. Oh, okay. So yeah. you're ahead of the game. I don't know about this I think this I am. Scheme. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But also on that number four as well, Joanna, I know you're saving for your first home and, you know, you're going to auctions. The first home super saver scheme is also something to definitely look into because essentially mm-hmm. that scheme means that you're only having to pay 15% on the income that you put into that and you get the Uh, refund from the tax man so that you actually have more cash to play with when it comes to purchasing your first home. And that's really powerful. So you can contribute over the entire scheme at the moment up to $30,000, but they're increasing that to $50,000 with this round of the budget that's just come out. And that is super handy because that could mean up to eight dollars or $10,000 additional in your back pocket for just putting it into your super and then pulling it out for your future home. Mm. Right. Okay. That's good to know. Look yeah. into that one. Handy. I feel like if anyone needs any uh, any any savings advice, my dad's pretty good at it. Um, All right. I was probably, I'll get him on the pod. I was probably like 16 and he was still getting me into places as like an eight-year-old. Um, in fairness, Genius. I was small, but um, <laughs> so he didn't have to pay for me to go to places. <laughs> I love it. So, genius. Yeah. Right. Well, if he wants to start a podcast called He's on the Money, I know yeah. who can absolutely help set him up. <laughs> Great. Well, this has been a very uh, different chat to what we're I've used to, but this. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, me I, too. I mean, I love talking about finances. I'm, I know next to nothing about them, but um, this was really helpful. That is not true. I know you're a little property mogul in the making. Like you'll get your first property, then you'll get your second property, and Hannah and I will just watch on in awe as Joanna takes over the world. <laughs> yeah, you just just you wait. <laughs> just you wait, real estate agents. She's yeah, coming for yeah. you. <gasps> and also, I will out you on she's on the money yeah. when I have bought a place. I just, yeah. I just can't, I just can't burn any bridges right now. Yeah, look, no burning bridges till you've secured the property. But yes, yeah. um, then we'll out them. Mm. Yeah, then I'm going in all guns blazing. Yeah, yep. great. Well, thank you so much for for joining us today, Victoria. It was great to chat to you. A delight as always, my friends. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.